Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, otro defensor, otro disparo, Monreal, gol. Marca el futbolista español, marca Nacho Monreal. Pim, pam, pum. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. It is the final week without Gunnar Blog, but my guest host this week, you might know him from another Arsenal podcast. It's Tayo Papula. He is, of course, part of the uh, Yellow Boots on the Tuesday Club, but a towering presence in his own right. Morning to you, Tayo. Bless you. I like the towering presence bit. There's someone yeah. sniggering out there who realizes I'm five foot five. Well, smaller than our Shavin, actually. I think we found out once. Actually, once I did. You do side by side measurement, or Me, we actually did. And Damien <laughs> did that thing like you do as a kid. You know, when you put your hand on someone's head to check. And there goes Arshavin. Just after he told us that he got most of his money in a bin bag, he was telling us that um, he was like, "I can't do his accent, so I won't even try it." But yeah, he did. He enjoyed the fact he was smaller than me. I like to think that's the winning mentality of a professional footballer. It yeah, mattered more to, it mattered more to him than me. Tell, tell, tell me this thing about the bin bag. What was that? He keeps his money in a bin bag. Oh, he had loads of yeah. He just he had loads of money um, when he was in um, he was at Zenit, wasn't he? When he was at mm. Zenit. Um, he, uh, he just occasionally, well, not occasionally, but just bonuses and stuff would come over in a, in a you know, bag full of cash. Right. Um, That's not bad. Bag, bags full of cash are, are very nice. I've, you know, I've never had a bin bag full of cash, unfortunately. Theo Walcott uh, left the club with bin bags uh, last saw, week. Did you see that? I saw that, and I heard the world's smallest uh, violin playing in the background from it <laughs> as well. But uh, no... Um, I, I hope he gets to he'll he'll come back and he'll get um he'll he'll probably get what I call the new Arsenal reception, which is he'll probably get booed, which is like <laughs> which is ridiculous. Do you like, think I don't think Theo Walcott will get booed? I don't think I, so. I heard the Ox getting booed. I think we should all do the polite Theo clap when he comes back though. You know, you know that you know the ineffectual noiseless clap that he kind of perfected over the years when, when he was being taken off when he was being substituted yeah not a sound comes out of that Theo's clap but your butterfly's wings are louder than that Theo <laughs> clap um, but um, yeah he left with his bin bags I hope he does get a chance to, uh, mm. to to come back and be 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 be, be um, appreciated because I think he should be yeah I don't think he's going to get booed I mean the Ox I think got a got a bit of booing because of the way it all happened you know the, the deadline day and the terrible mm. performance at at Anfield um, was was his final um, parting gift to us all. What do you make of all this stuff? I mean, I know we're off topic here already and I, I don't want to spend too long on it, but it's quite amusing, isn't it, that he scored a couple of goals and all of a sudden there's this like, the Ox is revitalised. All he needed was Klopp to get him going.
thing. After 17 years at Arsenal where he scored half a goal, now he scored three times in five months. Look at what a player, look at what this man has become. It's amazing, really, isn't it? It is amazing. But, you know, I mean, we're living in an era of um, whatever narrative you've decided, you can fit the facts to it, you know? Yeah. And it's exactly that. If you're a fan... If, you, if you're anti our manager, then this is proof that he's stopped training players and look at what Sterling has been doing with Pep and so forth and so forth. <laughs> you know, and okay, so well done. The Ox played well um, against City. We scored that good goal against City. And um, I mean, look, if maybe maybe a change, you know, the change is as good as the rest. Maybe anyone would have flourished if they'd been kind of stagnating at a club. It doesn't matter that it was, a, you know, this manager and... Mm. And, 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 and this club. But as I say, if, if, if that's what you want it to be about, then that's exactly what you'll get. Mm. Uh, one man who is going to get booed uh, when he comes back is Alexis Sanchez. He's definitely going to get booed, isn't he? He... <sighs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, really. No, he is. I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, or, or, uh, but he just is. It's. I mean, there's, a, there's no avoiding it. We can talk about him. We will be talking about him a bit later. But there's no question that that's of what's going to happen. Yeah, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll get booed, and. <laughs> But he kind of looks more like a villain than Theo. I mean, booing Theo is just like kind of, you know, it's like kicking urinating. Your puppy. Yeah, urinating on a baby lamb or something, you know what I mean? Or kicking a puppy, as you say. Mm. Um, but Alexis, Alexis can look dastardly and um, it will fit the bill. But yeah, we'll, we'll come on to him, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, we certainly will. There's a bit to talk about in that regard. But look, you we think? should, yeah, just a little bit. Holy moly. Um, but look, I think we should start with the football, um, mm. given and all that this is supposedly oh, yeah. a football podcast and not just a transfers. It was almost last week or this week, you know, oh God, there's a game of football getting in the way of all the transfer news. This is terrible. But uh, not- as it turned out, it was quite good. It was. Um, it was. Uh, holy smokes! It was cold. Um, um, I haven't been that cold at the Arsenal since. I think there was one Everton game in the Emirates, which was absolutely freezing. I'm sure there's some old timers here saying, "Yeah, but you weren't at Winter Slug away in 1980, <laughs> and that was as cold." So you can never please everyone. But yeah, it was really cold. Um, I surprised myself and everyone around me by getting there on time, which means that I didn't miss um, the first first two goals which is which I probably would have done if I got there at my normal time um why why it, why do you get there late what's that about are you just a, a late um, person or is it just a habit or a superstition yeah or no what? it's just sometimes I just you sort of you, a bit like um a bit like kind of Arsenal on the pitch if it's you know if it's 21 <laughs> if it's 21 degrees and with a light breeze westerly and everything's fine then we'll win so I say I leave myself just enough time to get to the ground if you know if the universe works properly and London transport wasn't rubbish and the fact that you know the hybrid Islington hasn't been kind of blocked off for about mm. the last decade. So I tend to get there a couple of minutes late um, to lots of tatting of the people on Block Thirty Two. But it was great. I mean the football was brilliant. Um, we we set you know we set off in the right kind of frame of mind. I mean it, we were helped by the fact that Palace were so so poor. Um, but you've got, you know, we've, we, I think it's not the first time and, um, I mean, we've done well at home recently, but you've got to put these kind of teams away. It was really exciting to see Jack Wilshere kind of looking quite imperious in the first half. It was great to see, um, Alex Iwobi with confidence. Um, and I mean, I'm saving him just because, you know, you save the best to last. Mm. It was just, you know, I, I spent most of the game tumescent watching, you know, Meza Ozil. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Palace are, 
Palace were poor, Benteke was anonymous, but we did really put those... Um, and I'm really pleased for, for, for Nacho and Monreal come back into that side. Um, t- two good corners. I mean, the first time you think, oh, oh he's overhit it because it's possible. But he does it again, and Shaka um, does it again, and we and and we scored scored twice from it. And I think um, did I think Kazor um, uh, I think Monreal two assists. Yeah, a goal and two assists. Two assists, one goal, two assists, which is um, which is I think as as many as he's done in... That's more than Oxlade-Chamberlain has done in 15 years. <laughs> and it just goes to show, yeah. It's, 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 as, many, it's as many kind of uh, results in his, in, in his previous, I think, four, well, I think I know, 43 Premier League games beforehand. Right. So, um, so, yeah, pleased for him. Shame that he got substituted. But just a really nice, exciting... You know, I was hoping for a nine... You know, you see Palace and you start thinking 9-1, don't you? Mm. Is, it, is, is, is it possible? But 26 minutes in, it was like the old school Arsenal where we got to 3-0 at half-time and then switched off. We could have gone, you know, we could have yeah. gone to the pub. We could have gone to the pub then. So, I, um, I enjoyed that, though. You know, I could see people saying afterwards on Twitter, and, and look, there's a lot to complain about uh, these days. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot that you could, uh, you feel could be done better at the football club. But when you've been on the kind of run we've been on and playing the way we've been playing and it hasn't been so great and, you know, wins have been hard to come by and goals even have been a little bit hard to come by. When you win a game 4-1, you can't complain afterwards that we didn't win 8-0. You know, you just fucking can't. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, oh really, Andrew? Yeah. Well, welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to 2018 supporting football. It, I mean, it is bizarre. I get why people say, we, we could have really turned the screw. We could have really, you know, yeah, we could have, but we didn't. And we we won 4-1 and, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a convincing win like that. I think the the, the one against Huddersfield was a yeah. 5-0, but that was a strange one because it was quite close until, what, maybe 65, 70 minutes right. in that game. And uh, somebody elbowed Mesut Ozil in the head and he got angry and started playing for five minutes and just took them apart. And um, there is something to be said. I mean, I think you said in... in, in, in on Sunday's blog, there is something to be said for that elation. Um, but it was also as nice. Um, it was one of our lot, uh, Bradley's birthday. So, you know, we got to, you know, knowing that you've got a nice sort of drink in the pub afterwards because you, you, you've got a win coming. Um, I'm happy watching that movie for a change. I'm sick of the, you know, I'm sick of the 78th minute equaliser mm-hmm. and the 87th minute winner movie. I know it's, you know, it feels <laughs> fantastic, but... Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Interestingly, I mean, Arsenal went 4-0 up um, in 22 minutes, which is the earliest a side has led in a Premier League game. Can you remember? Can you, can you think what... Can you think what the other time that has happened in the Premier League? Oh, the side I, has been absolutely spanked 4-0 up in the 22nd, in 20 minutes. Was... Is it... Um... When Liverpool beat us at Anfield, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ding! It is. So, wow, no, we hold both that record on both sides. Wow. I know. This is the joy of uh, this is the joy of this club. So it was nice to be on the other side of it, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and look, there's a lot to be said for a comfortable routine win. You know, if it's pedestrian, 
I far prefer a pedestrian second half to a second half where you're oh. thinking, where the fuck is a goal going to come from? We must get it. Or you're trying to, you know, uh, get a lead or, you know, pull one back because you've defended poorly and gone behind. I, I just much prefer it. I know it's not necessarily as exciting or it doesn't necessarily generate as much discussion or, or agitation, but that, I mean, it was overdue. It felt really long overdue to come out and actually just take a team apart in the opening stages of a game. I mean, look, a couple of set pieces. Normally, Palace would defend those better than they did, I think. But, you know, we we were efficient with the chances that we made. I was in, I was curious to see Xhaka on the corners with Ozil back because Xhaka's been taking corners recently and they're, they're hit and miss, you know? Mm. They're a bit... Oxley Chamberlain's first season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but you he's putting good deliveries. Ch- you wait till Oxley Chamberlain scores from a corner, and that'll prove that it going to Klopp. <laughs> if only Arsene Finger had taught him how to score from corners. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, Shaka's corners were. Um, I think. I think the first one was probably an accident, and then he did it again. That's just. That's probably. That might be being a little unkind. But yeah, they, they were. They were good deep corners. But I mean, the marking. Um, who is it? Is it McCarthy? MacArthur, perhaps. MacArthur, one of them who mm. lost, um, who lost Monreal like that, and for it to happen again so soon after um, is uh, well was w- w- was fantastic from our point of view. But as you say, you know, Palace were they seem to be carrying a lot of players who I mean, Kabai was walked around really, and last time I looked at Kabai, I think you know I thought he was quite good. This is what happens when you don't see a team each week. I'm sure Palace fans could tell me differently. But um, I forgot that Benteke was on the pitch. I, like, I mean, that's not just... I literally forgot he was on the pitch mm. until he had one kind of offside touch in the, in, 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 in the second half. Um, so, they, so they didn't put much up. And one thing I will say about um, what you said about half-time, going in at half-time, it changes the, it changes the mood in the... Like, we've had, I mean, the Liverpool mood when we came off um, at half-time and we've been dreadful against them recently. Mm. Um, I mean, as a player, that's got to be horrible coming out to in the second half when your team has just, like, crossed arms, like, right, go on, impress me. You know, it's really yeah. kind of really kind of toxic. And also, I mean, the, the one good thing about that, at, at, at half-time, I saw that one person said on the comments, actually, um, is that Ty from um, Who Wears All the Arsenal Gear when you said that I was doing... <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the arts It did remind me. In I think it was half time in the Liverpool game. Like I mean this this is something like out of a Marvel comic, you know, mm. when like the two heroes collide, Batman versus Spider Man or something. Mm. But we had a situation like Monty Python couldn't have scripted it any better. You had Ty and our very own Keith Dover arguing in the urinals over some moot point. And I just looked and I just thought, <laughs> if this is what terrible football um, gets us to then you know I could do another season coming eighth because it was hilarious oh, funny but you should need a pocket recorder that's the thing you've got I, to I capture those gut, moments you know, I know as a, as a radio producer I was glad that I wasn't ready at all times but yeah it was just nicer in half time to have a positive vibe to be purring over let's talk about him to be purring over that kind of Ozil performance mm. in the in the first half um, and to be purring over Jack. And I mean, everyone played, everyone played really well. It was like one of those kind of touch rugby games where you look really, really good because you've got no opposition. Yeah. I mean, uh, keeping Ozil now is so, so important, isn't it? I I know it's a long shot at this point because, you know, at the end of January, he still hasn't signed a new contract. You know, the, 
the thing I'm clinging to now is the idea that Mkhitaryan and Obama Yang will signal some ambition that he can get behind. I think he likes Arsenal. He likes certainly likes London from over here. Um, uh, but you know, just in terms of keeping our star players and keeping those players there in order to to help rebuild the squad, whether it's Arsene Wenger that does it or somebody else, that squad needs to be rebuilt, and it would be much better if we could do that with with Ozil um, in the side. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe we can siphon off some of that some of that Sanchez salary towards him. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about kind of you know the money and the swap and so forth, but really, the, the way I can kind of the way I look at it, ultimately, is that on Saturday, against not the best opposition, but mm. I know some, or not the best opposition, you know, a fantasy player sparkled, and that is why I go to the football. You know, mm. to go. That is why I go to the football. I would have, you know, we've been spoilt for them over in in, in the Wenger era. I mean, if you want to count, I'm sure so. I don't know, if you want to count Dennis in the Ven- in the Wenger era, I appreciate he wasn't signed by him mm. before anyone jumps in. But, you know, P- um, Robert Perez, you know how we both feel about him. Yes. Um, um, Thierry, you may or may not want to put Sesk in that bracket. Van Persie was that kind of fantasy player where at that, you know, at, at, at that beautiful moment where just have, watching them have the ball is an absolute joy. It's what you go to the football for along with your mates. And Ozil has that, had that. And it is so important that we keep him. Um, but you can talk about the ambition of the club and so forth. It's so important we keep him so that we can keep enjoying watching this team play. We've had we've struggled with that recently because we haven't had that kind of dazzling, that glittery element. Mm. And and I don't want to get all revisionist about um, Sanchez. Of course, I don't want to because he's been a fantastic player for us. But as someone who'd pay. You know, I'm someone who'd pay a double price ticket if I was guaranteed one like look away pass a game. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm always going to enjoy someone like I'm always going to enjoy like the Elan of Özil over the industry of Sanchez kind of thing, and that is why he's such a joy to watch. And when he's as effective as he was, like with that beautiful fourth goal, then as you say, it's super important that we keep him. Well, we'll see what happens in that regard. I want to talk a little bit about somebody who I know you're a fan of, uh, and that's Alex Iwobi. And he's a player who this season has not really performed to the level I think we we expect from him or that we think he can perform at. And I think criticism of any player when they fall below the standards that you expect, is it's fair. It's not unreasonable to criticize a player. Personally, I think, you know, you've got to look at it in the context of the season, that he's in a team, he's still only 22, He's only in his you know third season. He's an academy graduate. He's come through the ranks at Arsenal, uh, and he's playing in a team that isn't playing well as a team. And it's you know it's easy for young players to fall a little by the wayside when it comes to that. He had his little indiscretion the other weekend where he stayed up a bit late dancing with his friends, which is you know a tr- truly shocking behaviour. I know, <laughs> but you know the manager's uh, decision to keep him in the team even if it was perhaps expedient because he didn't have the other options. He didn't want to use Walcott. He couldn't use Sanchez for the last few games because of what's going on there. But I I think he got a performance out of Iwobi on Saturday that was in some ways uh, him repaying the manager's faith in him. And perhaps we're we're seeing 
um, the way that the managers handled it has been the right way to handle it for that player because he looked refocused. He looked uh, really on it. He was good from an attacking point of view. But what impressed me was the hard work and the defensive awareness and his willingness to get back and track runners and make tackles and just block off spaces. I thought he had a really, really good game. So if we're going to criticize him for playing poorly, which is everybody's right, I think we also have to give him some props for playing well. And he did play well against Palace. I mean, I'm standing up waving a Nigerian flag as you said that. (laughs) It was beautifully put. No, I agree. I mean, you hear about confidence all the time. We're talking about a 21-year-old who is um, trying to kick on after sort of making an impression. And we know how difficult that is in this league and so forth. And he looks, he's looked short of confidence, I think, this season. Um... And I mean, certainly in the in, in in the final third, where he's where he's where he's made lots of kind of wrong decisions um, over over the season. But I agree with you. I think I thought it was really impressive the way that, as you know, when he lost the ball, which he still did because he's still trying stuff. He went herring after you know he went herring after his mistake and did actually kind of get a couple of turnovers as a result of that. Um, I don't have those kind of stats in front of me, but you know, but mm. I just remember I remembered that, and there was that lovely shot after a lovely move, which unfortunately was straight at the keeper. Mm. But you know, he took that he took that cleanly on a half volley from twenty odd yards out. I don't think he would have done that last week. Admittedly, he hadn't he, he'd just scored, but he was in the position to score. He was picked out really well by Monreal, and he kind of you know he threw his kind of shoulders back after that, and and played really well. And I think you're I think you're right. He, he does need to. But we said, you know, we've again we've seen this movie before, and I don't want. Obviously, I feel a bit more invested in him than the most, but I don't. Uh, the, the most of the other sort of young players who've kind of shone bright and then disappeared mm. again. Um, Arsene Wenger seems to be putting a lot of faith into him, and he wants this one to work, and he should do. I mean, he's physically. Um, super impressive. He's got great skill. He still makes the kind of odd wrong decision. I mean, after um, after he'd had oh, we need to talk about that pass. After he'd had the <laughs> ball kind of um, put in front of him by um, Özil, um, he you could argue that he could have put in Lacazette. I'm not sure many people would have done that. It's one of those hindsight things afterwards where. He's that close to goal. Of course, he was going to go for it. He didn't periods. look up. That's the thing. I mean, he didn't. I, I watched the replay of that, and what a pass from Ozil! A lovely, oh, lovely take as it. well from Iwobi. But um, he didn't look up. He didn't look up to the back post, and that was, I think, you know, part of what someone needs to sit down with him and say, "Look, when you're in that position, have a look up, see what's there, and if there's nothing there or nothing better, by all means, have a shot." Um, yeah. but, but you're right. He's he. He was impressive, and you want him to kick on. It'd be interesting to see whether he's in the side on Wednesday. But that pass, that pass happened in front, in front of us, right, mm. uh, from where we sit. And just before he plays it, just before Ozil plays it, he gives it the big swing, like he was going to try and go crossfield, like all the way across. I can't, was it Lacazette who was on the other side? Of course it was. Yeah, it was. It was Lacazette yeah. on the other side. And he just he, he got under it. He conned everyone. Like, it was just, it was some shape-shifting, absolute juju. It lands sweetly on the enormous African thigh of Iwobi, who doesn't even have to break his stride. It was just such a gorgeous pass. I actually just soiled myself in my seat. So that was, um, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) that's the kind of magic we're talking about. That's the kind of, um, but yeah, um, 
a, a more advanced player would have looked up and put that in. But I think he's, um, I think he's worth sticking with. I think, I think he's had a really tricky season and it's really cr- easy to criticise a 21-year-old. Um, but I think Arsene Wenger's uh, actually handled him quite well since his indiscretion. So look, there was a moment in the first half when Monreal went off after his uh, very impressive cameo. Um, precautionary, they said. Um, I saw Monreal... Uh, put up an Instagram story. I don't know if you saw this, but he made a cake. He put up an Instagram story of himself making like a sponge cake of some kind. And uh, the final part of the Instagram story was a picture of him eating the cake with the caption for my hamstring. So (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it's magic cake in that regard, because, you know, we could, we could do with him. Arsene Wenger shifted to a back four, Mm. put the extra man into midfield as we suspected he might do. Um, but Monreal went off, and rather than bring on Sayed Kolasinac, who is mm. an international left-back and left-wing-back, uh, he played a lot of his football at Schalke left-back, so it's not a position he's uh, incapable of playing or anything like that. He brought on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Did you read much into that, or should we read much into that? Or is it a case, perhaps, that Kolasinac, who's been out with an injury, just perhaps wasn't, uh, wasn't physically ready enough in the manager's mind? Well, we've got, um, I mean, one of the questions coming up for the second half was about, you know, was about Kolasinac. Let's right. talk about him now. Was it, um, is he the new, is he new Luke, um, is he new Perez kind of thing? Mm. I don't think Arsene fancies him. You don't think so? Me. I don't think so at the moment. I don't think it is. A, um, and I don't know if it's because of the formation things. He, he spoke about that before, whether he can play in the formation that we've been playing. Mm. Um or maybe he just hasn't kind of kicked on or picked up the picked up the tactical. I mean, I ha- I haven't seen that because I'm not a because I'm not a, a football coach of over a thousand years and I've a, a thousand matches even <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> um, I I. But I really, I mean, I love, I love uh, um, Ainsley Maitland Niles. I love the confidence he's got. That kind of he's got that. He's got that street football way of passing the ball short distances. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where he's kind of, do you, do you know what I mean by that? He kind of, um, it's, cl- it's close to my beloved look away pass, but he's just got a real ease to him. I mean, there was, he was one point where he was too, um, he was too comfortable when he, when he sold um, El Nenny short and then they and Zahar had a chance. Mm. But I've, I've been super impressed with him. And um, I think at the moment, he just thinks he's a better option at left back, especially, um, Given that he was um, chasing around Mr. Petulant, um, um, Zaha. Zahar. What yeah. a whiny little rant Zahar was on Saturday. He, um, but he, I thought yeah. Maitland Niles did really well against him. So maybe there was an issue of pace. Perhaps. Um, but Perhaps. it does seem like he's not got full confidence in his, you know, his um, long established uh, left back, uh, as you say, uh, left back in his career, Kalasinat. So yeah. it does seem to be something there. Yeah, it's, it'll be an interesting one. I think he's maybe perhaps not quite the player that he thought he was. or That's what I mean about him not maybe fancying him as much. Mm. He's seen him, he's you know physically impressive, he's got that kind of, I mean, not that Arsenal fans are anything to trust because I remember us all going beast for the first few weeks of Julio, Julio Baptista and loving all of that. <laughs> and we know what garbage he turned out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Kolasinac kind of looks like the folk hero sort. Um, and you know, um, but perhaps he's not 
ended up being the player that he wants from him. And I, yeah. I suspect that, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the other thing to bear in mind is that he did or has had a number of injuries. He's been struggling with a bit of a hip injury uh, since he got here. And, you know, sometimes it can take a player a while to settle into a club and to settle into a new team and to even gain the trust of, of a manager, you know. Um, so I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't write him off or anything just yet, but certainly he seems to be struggling to convince the manager he's worth a place in the side. Because when you bring off a left back and you put on a, uh, you know, a twenty-year-old midfielder, basically who who you've been playing out of position as well as he's been doing there, uh, there's something maybe a bit emasculating about that for for the player, for Kalasinak, for example. You know, who would have assumed that if Monreal goes off, well, I'm the, I'm the left back, I'm the backup left back, surely it'd be me. So I do yeah, wonder if there's something uh, physical there. He does seem there. to have dropped down, the, 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 down that pecking order. But I mean, can I just ask you, I mean, how, mm. how impressed are you with uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a bizarre, you know, we've always laughed about how if you're new to the side, you end up on the left wing. It's a new development that, yeah. you know, you're now putting him at left back. How do you think, uh, has he cost us... Um, many goals and do you think he's going to move him into what we're told is his more natural position well yeah I've I've liked what he's done definitely you know and for a a kid being played out of position as a fullback fullback is a very difficult position to Mm. play you know people uh, you know, okay, no, at Sunday league level, it's where you put the guy who can't play. You just stick him at fullback. Mm. But in reality, it's a difficult position to play physically, positionally. You've got to be so defensively aware. I think he's done as well as anybody could expect. I think he's shown some really nice touches. Uh, what I like about him is his... Um, you know the way sometimes I don't, don't want to sound like I'm kind of slagging off... Oxlade-Chamberlain again, but you know when things didn't quite go right for Oxlade-Chamberlain, you could almost see him shrivel up. Yeah. Like his head went down, his shoulders would slump. Like, I I think Maitland-Niles is completely the opposite. He just, okay, right, that didn't go well for me. Head up, keep going, just keep doing my my thing. There was a a bit on um, Arsenal.com last week Oh God! I have to find I have to find these quotes while we're reading, and I just thought, um, you know, his his confidence was really uh, something else. He was talking about being Vieira, was it? Um, hang on, right here it is. You know, he says. Uh, I'd say I'm more of a box-to-box midfielder, but the boss sees me in more of a Coquelin role, holding midfield and trying to break up the play. And then he says. Um, I believe I could play as a traditional English number four, an English number eight, anywhere around the middle of the pitch. I've had a lot of things on Twitter comparing me to Patrick Vieira, you know. (laughs) And then he goes, he says, I do see why they say that, because he was good at reading the game, very good technically, a great passer, and he'd love a challenge as well. I'm not shy of one either. And then he says, whoever anyone wants uh, to compare me to, I'd always look to surpass them. Bring on the challenge, really. So, I mean, for for a 20-year-old kid now, okay, there's levels of self-confidence, right? It's good that a young player is self-confident. Sometimes it can go a bit too far the other way. You end up in, you know, Bentner Town. But if this kid can keep his head properly screwed on, he doesn't look like he gets carried away at all. Um, You know, he really does have self-confidence and belief in his own ability and belief in his ability to play and to go out on that pitch and perform alongside, you know, experienced, established pros. You know, so I think there's a there's a real player in there, but obviously it's very early days. But what 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 I think is interesting, um, I'm sure you've seen the 
the latest update from David Ornstein from the BBC, um, the meme factory that is David Ornstein. <laughs> It's remarkable. Um, I do wonder what he thinks of all these things. Uh, if you don't know what's happening, basically people are photoshopping David's head into all kinds of uh, situations. It's, some of them are just brilliant. Some of them, I mean, I think. Well, I know he finds them. He, he, he finds them bemusing but funny, bemusing and amusing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sensational. I did have a good laugh at them. On they're Saturday, brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> he was saying that you know, if we bring in Obama Yang, there are no more significant funds. Uh, for any more transfers, uh, I presume in this month, not ever again. Um, but we definitely do have an issue in midfield. We have a problem with our midfield. And if we're not going to address that in the transfer market, you know, I'm I'm on for Arsene Wenger giving Maitland-Niles a go because it is just, uh, number one, an acceptance that we've got to do something about it. And number two, okay, here's a young kid who looks like he's got lots of potential. Just fucking give him a go and see, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It's sink or swim. That's what football's about. And unless you give him that chance, then, you know, we're never going to know. So I think there could be something going on there. I think that perhaps he has looked at Maitland-Niles. If we move to a back four again and move to three in midfield, I think there's the potential for Maitland-Niles to be, to be used in there. But yeah, and I think you're right. And everything you said about his confidence is 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 is, is backed up, as I said, when you see him on the pitch. But equally, you know, we've just we've just been talking about Alex Iwobi in the second, you know, and, and second difficult season. Now, if Aitland, if if Ainsley Maitland Niles, whose position is even more central and even more crucial than perhaps you'd say, you know. It, Iwobi's coming in in that kind of attacking midfielder role where you can make a mistake. Mm. Um, do we want to put, or should we as a, as, a, as a club be putting so much faith in, in such an important position in a 20-year-old? I can hear someone screaming Sesk behind me, but Sesk was something else. Mm. Um, and it's a big ask for someone like that to carry us through the rest of the season. I think it's a shame that we haven't, I think it's a glaring error that we haven't... Uh, uh, fixed up that, that, mm. that middle of the part where we've clearly struggled but maybe he's thinking I mean Alan only had a good uh, a good game again against poor opposition and only had a good game I'm not a massive fan of his um, but maybe he's thinking that um, we can squeeze it through to the end of the season as you know as as we are I'd be disappointed but also pleased to see you know um, because I've got my hopes for this season have, <laughs> have taken a dive anyway and I just want to enjoy each game now um, maybe it'd be great to see him and seeing more of Reese Nelson, who has been really exciting. Mm. Um, the flashes that we've seen as well. And look, we're promoting, you know, we're promoting, we're promoting youth. And you'd hope it doesn't cost points, but it is kind of what you want to see, isn't it? As a mm. fan, it's what you get excited about. Yeah, I mean, Reese Nelson got his Premier League debut, which is nice to see. And I think Tim Stillman made the point that there are. We ended the the game with three or four um, academy graduates on the pitch, which is, I think it's great. You know, we, we yeah. want to see these young players come through and we want to see the club produce players who have the quality to play for us as well. It's not just a case of giving somebody a go because they've come up through the system. You give them a go because you think they're good enough and they've got the potential perhaps to to make a career at Arsenal as a player. So, you know, with Iwobi, uh, Maitland Niles, Nelson, who else? Hector Ballerin, of course, has come through the academy of, uh, via Jack. Barcelona. Jack Wilshire, you know, um, that's good. I think that's promising. And perhaps when you're moving into a 
an era that might be deemed a bit more collective than individual, which is uh, what I think we're going to have to look at, and we'll we'll deal with that in the questions, etc. Um, you know, that's promising, and uh, you know, we've had good crops of young players come through before. Um, so it'll be what nice I like to see about, that again. What I like about Maitland Niles is that he had a really good season on loan at Ipswich. So you know, mm. he's gone and done done some good hard yards in a in a hard league. I think he was given the. You know, I feel. <laughs> I'm laughing now because I know how little you care about shirt numbers. <laughs> We've talked about this before and I'm I'm so bothered by them and you think I'm a dick because of it. Um, but he was given the number seven. He was given the number seven, Andrew. At, 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 Ipswich. at Ipswich. Yeah. Mick and, McCarthy um, loved him. He did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was um, one of the best players that season. So, um, so yeah. So I, I like the fact that he's gone and been robust somewhere before. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I mean, McCarthy said something like, uh, wow, what talent he has. He's, he's really going to, you know, have a good chance of making it at, at Arsenal if he's given the opportunity. And uh, to me, at the start of the season, he looked perhaps more like the kind of player who needed to go out on loan. But yeah. obviously, uh, the manager has decided with the Europa League and the opportunity that that's given him to to bring him through and develop him and develop some of the other young players as well. You know, because there's um, there's a couple of others as well um, bubbling under who haven't quite made the same impact. Obviously, Reese Nelson catches the eye because he's an attacking player, but Joe Willock looks yeah. like a good young player as well, and uh, Ben Sheaf is another one who they have very high hopes for. Eddie and Kedia as well. Um, so, you know, there is this crop of young players. Not all of them will make it, but it's good to see them uh, at least being given a chance to show what they can do. So, And look, I mean, we could have been doing an Ask Us two years ago talking about whether Bellerin was going to make it or not after his pretty shaky debut. So, mm. um, um, and, and, you know, re- revisionist current history aside, um, I think Bellerin's been a fantastic addition and this is someone who was given a chance. Mm. It doesn't always work, but you have to always try. And this manager has done that um, time and again, much to his detriment. Um so it's good to see. Mm. All right. Well, look, we're going to take a little break here. We've done part one. We've done the Palace game. We're going to come back and touch on all the other issues that are going on, all the transfers and all that kind of stuff with the questions and more in part two right after this. So happy. So happy. This is fantastic. So happy. Fantastic. The fans so happy. This is fantastic. So happy. So happy, this is fantastic, fantastic, so happy I go to hope with my dog. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where you send us questions and we do our best to answer the questions. You've sent them this week to at DJ Tayo and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. As is the custom for our guest hosts, uh, you get to ask the first question. So uh, let's go for it. Okay, I'll kick off. Um, this one's from ED at J underscore Ed on Twitter. Did not having Sanchez in the starting eleven actually impact our performance in a positive way? Or are our fans just trying to make ourselves feel better about him leaving for Manchester United? Mm. What do you think? Probably more of the um more of the latter, in my opinion, you know. Um it's very easy when some somebody's not there to point to them as being the problem. I mean, we didn't have him at Bournemouth and we played like absolute twats you know so I'm not sure it really stands up to any scrutiny in that regard and I do think there is naturally when you're a fan your defense mechanisms go up don't they you want to steel yourself against something that is unpalatable you know which is what you know a week ago before all this really broke we were all kind of okay-ish with him going to Man City right it was like, ah, fuck, you know, Man City, you know, Guardiola, they're going to win the league. It's going to be easy for them. Why wouldn't he go there? And Manchester United's a different animal. It's a different beast because of who they are and who manages them, of course. And that makes it a, a problem. So, you know, a week ago, the idea of him going there would have been, you know, it, it had me furious in my own mind. <laughs> uh, I was absolutely spewing about the whole thing. And here we are a week down the line. I'm like, ah, fuck it. You know, I just... We've been here too many times and seen it too many times to get really super unhappy about it. And, uh, you know, we're getting a player in uh, in to replace him, uh, who's a good player as well. You know, it hasn't gone well for him at United, but he is a really good player, Mkhitaryan. Um, so, no, I don't think you can really put it down to Sanchez not being there, that all of a sudden we played well because Sanchez wasn't there. I can see how people might make the point that it would make us a bit um, less reliant on him or his individualism, that there may be more of a focus on the collective and, and playing in a more organized way, because essentially what he was, was a, a, like a whirling dervish of just uh, relentless energy and running, who wanted to do everything himself as much as he possibly could to help the team win and to win. That's all he was interested in was winning. And you could question some of his behaviors and, and everything else. But uh, I don't think all of a sudden that uh, we played well because he wasn't there. He's not the most popular man in the dressing room, it's fair to say. He's been a difficult character at times. He's, I think we can see, right? If you follow him on Twitter or you follow his Instagram, he's a strange man, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's not an unfair compliment or an unfair thing to say. He's, yeah. he's a bit of an oddball. 
And, you know, that's, uh, it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. Um, but, you know, as we talked about in the Arscast on Friday, even when he's away with Chile, you know, he's he's not necessarily integrated. Uh, he's not one of the lads in the middle making all the jokes and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so. I kind of, I agree with you. It's more <clears throat> one than the other. And I don't think, um, I don't think our fourth goal it's, it's, it's about others picking up the slack and maybe in the way that, you know, in in the last days of Thierry where they just looked up and passed to him and they had to pass to him. Mm. Um, there does seem to be a bit of like uh, of that um, with Alexis Sanchez. Um, but just contrast, you know, someone has to pick up that slack and just contrast him with the other best player in the team. Um that fourth Sanchez doesn't score that kind of fourth goal for us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where and the best bit, I mean, I, you know, I, I I love him. This is obvious. We all do. But just the way that Özil ran off after sort of he started the move, finished the move, just gave himself a little minute to run off by himself to congratulate himself after Lacazette scored, and and they all headed towards Özil, and he just looked kind of imperious like that. Mm. And that's the kind of. If not having, of course, you'd rather what his goals and his industry in the team. But I also want the team to work better. And um, if people can pick up the slack, if we can, if Özil picks up the slack, um, and indeed Mkhitaryan, then I don't think we're going to. I won't say we won't miss him because, of course, you miss someone mm. as good as that, and you wish he didn't go to such a terrible, terrible asshole as um, as Jose Mourinho. Mm. I did enjoy how much it angered you this week more than anyone. It seemed <laughs> like. It, <laughs> It made you furious. <laughs> it's just I hate I hate Mourinho so much, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But just on your point about Ozil, it's worth rewatching that goal again, the the Lacazette goal, and watch Lacazette's reaction when he goes over to Ozil and starts hugging him. Yeah, and he buries his face in his shoulder, and it's a bit like, "Never leave me, please, <laughs> never leave me, Dad." That's exactly how I read it. It's like, "Hold me," and they all just jump up, and he's just like, "Yeah, I did that. I yeah, did that, and I, I can did. do this." Yeah. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Look, the Mourinho thing is what pisses me off more than anything about this. <laughs> it's not so much the Sanchez going to United, and I get, you know, I said it on the podcast on Friday. I get why he's going there, and I get why at twenty nine years of age, if someone offers you fucking basically half a million pounds a week to go play football for them you're you'd be a fool not to turn it down um but you know the the manager of manchester united could be phil collins and i would be even fucking less furious than i am about Mourinho. there's just something about him so i mean what what's your thoughts on i mean how petty and how much of a grudge do you bear or you know are you far too mature and beyond all that now <laughs> to 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 i don't i don't necessarily hope it goes badly for him but you know i would Actually, don't, no, that's true. That's a you? lie. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope it goes terribly for all concerned, um, particularly Mourinho. You know, I hope Mourinho finds Sanchez's oddness just impossible to take. Um, yeah, I mean, do, w- what do you think of him once he goes there? I mean, I'm, you know, he's, he's always done his best for us. You know, he's never really uh, played up in the press like some players have in the past. You think of Nasri and Adi Bayor, even Van Persie to an extent. You know, uh, those guys made their positions untenable. Sanchez never spoke out in the press, publicly at least. Uh, I think we all knew more or less what his position was. But, you know, I, I enjoyed him as an Arsenal player. I enjoyed Absolutely. what he did. He fucking... 
was tremendous for us. He was great fun to watch when it worked. When he was frustrating, it was frustrating. But I mean, what's your what's your thinking on on how it should go for him up there and how you would like it to go? I'd like it to go. I'd like it to go terribly. Um, I'd like him to score, you know, two goals next season. I wait. I wish for a breakdown in his relationship with, um, you know, the worst person um, this, you know, this side of uh, anyone actually. Um, so and there's a fair, there's a fair lot to choose a, from at the moment. Yeah, it's a long list of people knocking on the door. Um, but look, this Mourinho. Um, you know the Mourinho of the Mourinho of Chelsea two thousand three. Even you know of the bond that he had with his players. This Mourinho is so puffed up. Is has got such an incredible ego. I don't think you get any players now. Lingard is the kind of player in in the past who would have you know run through walls for his manager. But this guy's this 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 Mourinho is horrible. So there is a there's 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 room for it to go wrong in the way that. We were told that Sanchez wanted to play specifically with Pep to get that bond back. I don't think that will happen with Mourinho. It will only happen just before they play us, where Mourinho will play up the relationship and how he's getting the best out mm. of him because that's what he does. So, um, but this one, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're getting a player the other way. Maybe because um, I don't think he will. I think this is it. I don't think Sanchez will propel Manchester United to the league title in the way that I'm still absolutely wounded by what Robin Van Persie did that season, which is something that I could never, you know, they took our best player at the height of his powers and they weren't that much better than us at the time. And he won them the league, Mm. you know, that will kill me anything more always than, than, than this Sanchez departure, which is, which has been coming with a player who has done his bit and has done more than his bit for us while he's been here, and he's moving on. Yeah. Well, what do you make of the Mkhitaryan uh, exchange? People say, look, Arsenal are getting a player that United don't want. He's had a poor time yeah. there. I mean, the, the situation with Mkhitaryan that happened in 2016, to my understanding, is that uh, Arsenal were preparing to get rid of Alexis Sanchez. They were going to sell him uh, that summer, Um they were bringing in Mkhitaryan as a replacement for Alexis Sanchez. Not as many of us thought at the time, oh, wow, they're going to bring in Mkhitaryan and we'll have Sanchez and we'll have Ozil. And, you know, it was one or the other. And uh, Arsene Wenger changed his mind and kept Sanchez and ultimately Mkhitaryan ended up at Manchester United where it hasn't gone well for him because of the, you know, the horrible poisonous man who who just treats some people like shit. Um, but, you know, when you look at what he did at Dortmund, if we can get him to rediscover some of that mojo, then we've got a fucking player on our hands. Even if you, you've got questions about his mentality or whatever, he, he's got the potential, 100%. yeah. Hundred percent. Someone looks like um, it always looks like damaged goods when it's been through the, you know, the Mourinho mangle and it's someone else's player, and we've been scarred by. I mean, I'm <laughs> scarred by Mikel Silvestre. <laughs> That's not so much a scar as like yeah. a, a huge lesion, a tumor. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's an absolute crater in my shoulder every time I think. <laughs> you know, um, he look. He was. He he's a very he's a very Arsene Wenger player. If you like, you're right. If you take it back to 2016 and you look at this player, here's somebody. Oh look, here's somewhere who plays between midfield and attack. I can already hear the press conference. He can play anywhere across the middle. Um, he can play anywhere across the front if necessary. Um, he's a very Arsene Wenger type player, and if you take away the, like say, if you take away the baggage of it, then I think it is a very typical Arsene Wenger signing. In mm. the fact that 
um, there was someone else that we need more. Um, but he is also going to be a technically uh, technically brilliant player who could play very, very well, like you say, with um, with with Urzil and hopefully um, Aubameyang. So it does kind of lessen the blow. It's a very odd one for for the club to go for. And you do wonder what's kind of gone on behind the scenes, really. But it does also indicate that we're very happy with the replacement for the, for there to not be any money and for it to have gone quite smoothly, given, you know, the, mm. the rancor between the clubs and the managers. It's quite surprising how well this has gone through with everyone quite happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's making the best of a bad situation, I think. Um, and you can't overlook the fact that we're in this situation in the first place where our one of our best players is leaving. And, and people can say, look, he's going for money. It is a ridiculous amount of money. Nobody would turn it down. But the, the, the desire to leave doesn't just come from money. It comes from the fact that, you know, these guys, when you're a player like Sanchez, when you're a world-class talent, you want to win things. And you at least want to be in a team that's got the potential to win those things, right? Champions League and Premier League. And, you know, much as I love us, we don't have that at this moment in time. So we've got to be aware of those sporting issues and be aware that, you know, if... Uh, if we do have this kind of top talent at the club, we've got to build around them and not just add one or two and think, well, they'll make the difference. Hundred percent. Because we've 100%. seen, we've seen, we've added Ozil and Sanchez and ended up lower down the league than we have when we had fucking Shamak. And it gets harder and harder. It's been fashionable over the years. It gets harder and harder to criticise these players who keep on leaving because it stops being an accident. It is a very clear pattern. Um, when you only sign Petr Cech after you've just won the FA Cup, mm. then what can what does that say to what does that say to your two best players? When why, you know what does it say to them? Oh, so yeah, it's so frustrating you know, that summer. Hugely so. You know, you're asking people, and I remember the double think. <laughs> I remember my own double think turning to Damien and going, well, no, you know, if, if, you know, if these players are a year on, then that's just the same as a new sign. <laughs> I could hear myself. I mean, I'm punching myself in the face thinking it because what did we, it's all we could do, isn't it? It's yeah. all we could do. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. What, you, have you got, you, what have you got for me? I've got something here now in a second, but are you, are you pumped for the potential of Obama Yang? I'm, yeah, look, um, New signings are exciting, especially yeah. our new signings are really exciting. They're shiny new toys, and we don't get very many of them at Arsenal. And he's a bloody good player who scores loads and loads of goals. And if he's going to be trouble, then okay, then can he score a few goals beforehand, please? I'm really excited by it because it's just a huge, new, shiny, world class star. And again, that's what you get excited about. And you can talk, I don't care how much he costs because he's better than um because he's he's better than what we've got um and he'll add some goals we're about to lose 20 goals um 25 goals so if he can if mm. he can score 10 before the end of the season then he's done super well and he should be exciting to watch he's yeah. he's great watching him i've yeah. produced quite a bit of a uh I have to watch quite a lot of Bundesliga football for work. And when I've seen him, it's like, holy smokes, he's decent. Yeah, he knows where the fucking goal is, that's for sure. Um, but on, on that whole situation, Jack Bernard, who's at Jack J. Bernard, asks, I've got no fucking clue how you get Obama Yang, Lacazette, Mkhitaryan and Ozil into a balanced team. Is this Arsene preparing for life without Ozil or even Lacazette? Um, do, do you want, did you see Arsene Wenger's answer about, you know, how would you get all that talent in the team? Did you see what he said? I, 
I didn't, but I can guess. We'll go for it. I, what do you say? Go on, you have a guess and say what you think. When you have players this, you know, when you have players of this talent, then they can perform effectively or indeed efficiently together. Now, I have no doubt yeah, about that. Sort of. But what he basically just said was, I just play all the good players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, he's been, I mean, anyone, I've got no idea. It's a great question how, how he's going to fit him in. I don't know, but I'd like to, I'd like to see it. It's no, it's not going to be any more of a, a strain on, um, um, seeing as we can't defend anyway. So, you know, maybe we'll go and do the old um, Aussie Ardealist. If we score, if they score three, we'll score four. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm up for seeing it. And I'm also up for seeing anything that's going to change or make our away form a bit more exciting because that's the real disaster here. So mm. anything with a bit more decisiveness, um, which those two will undoubtedly add, and goals and creativity, because that's what we've been lacking um, it, it, um, you, you know, you always want to get three or four. You want you want your three or four best players uh, to get the ball on the on an attack, and it's been rare to see you know to have that kind of thing going between Aubameyang, um, Mkhitaryan, Özil, Jack Wilshere, Lacazette. Ramsey. You've suddenly got more Ramsey. You've suddenly got some options that we haven't had for a while. There's been some breakaway attacks which have broken down because yes, we've been spot on, you know. Pires, Cole and Vieira, that kind of way. But things have broken down because we haven't had enough good attacking players in the team, a very, mm. very basic thing. Um, you know, people talk about the famous four at Liverpool, when we know about City's front three. We haven't had that. So having these players in the team, if it does mean just putting in the good players and going for it, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I do think perhaps it is a way of addressing... People say, well, if he's not going to buy a central midfielder or he's not going to buy a centre-half or a defender. I think this is kind of his way of dealing with defensive deficiency, is to make us more potent from an attacking point of view. Now, I don't know either if you can play uh, Obama, Yang, Lacazette, Mkhitaryan and Ozil in the same team even Ramsey, uh, you know, to, to add an extra attacker to that. You know, I don't know exactly how you would do it. I don't see a situation where he's going to start playing two up front, but you can easily see how uh, Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Aubameyang, there's a front three. Uh, Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Lacazette, there's another front three. Um, you know, I know Aubameyang played wide a bit at Dortmund, but that's not where you don't spend all that money for a fucking 30, 40 goal a season striker and uh, play him out wide. Well, maybe Arsene Wenger well, does, but you know. You <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I think it's going to be perhaps a bit of an either-or between Lacazette and Aubameyang. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Mm. You know, maybe it's not a bad thing to have the depth there that we need. Maybe Lacazette won't be happy with it, but maybe he'll also just have to fucking work hard and and take his chances as and when they come, you know? So uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to go down, but I really do think that we're basically buying really good attacking players or potentially really good attacking players because we either don't care to go out and buy a midfielder or haven't been able to find the kind of midfielder that we want or just can't be arsed worrying about defending because what's the point? We can't do it anyway. So let's make sure we've got plenty of goals in the team. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And speaking of those goals, I want to throw this question at you because um, Karim Gorab um, is asking, uh, why would it be bad to involve Giroud in the Aubameyang deal? I think because Giroud is a pretty good either-or option to Aubameyang, Welbeck and Lacazette, 
he's more reliable in my opinion. Um, I think he's just like, yeah, would it be bad to include Giroud in the Aubameyang deal? What do you think? Um, would it be bad? If, it, if it's what it takes to get the Aubameyang deal done, then I'm okay with it. Like if that's what the deal is going to hinge on, that they need a player and they need a striker and they want Giroud, then I think we should do what it takes. And if that means sending Giroud to to Dortmund either permanently or on loan for the rest of the season, then I think we'd be mad not to. And I like Giroud. You know, I think he's a great option from the bench. He's uh, He's got goals in him. He's been great for Arsenal. He turned down moves last summer to stay here because he was prepared to fight for his place. And I think, you know, you've got to give the guy credit for that. But... If we bring in Obama Yang and if we have Lacazette as it is, where and when is Giroud going to play at all? You know? Um, So to me, it would make sense, even if I don't like the idea of being without him. And I think he's a, a much better player than he's been given credit for down the years at Arsenal. If... If there's no way of doing Obama Yang without moving Giroud on, then it's there's no question, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think if it is, if it does become um, that kind of ultimatum, then yeah, of course. But I, it will feel a, I'll feel like we've lost a little bit. And you know, I know there's a small matter of football, but winning and losing transfer windows, as we know, is much more important. And I don't want. I think Giroud is. Uh, I think he's remains more than just a fantastic option. I think we've mi- I think we would have won more games than we have done with it in this period that he's been out. Mm. Um, I think we struggle. Um, I think he's even more vital kind of like away from home, maybe than, 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 than at our place. Um, I hope, and the, the one in one out thing, given the sort of power of the squad as it is, makes me then a little less excited, really. Um, but that, uh, that's a fan, you know, talking who who hoards hoards books and records. So mm. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd like to hoard players a little bit as well. But I still think he's got a. We'd be one down, wouldn't role. we? We'd be one down actually. You know, if we were to move on in the one window, Sanchez, Ozil, and Giroud, who between them scored, you know, sixty plus goals last season for us, that would be a remarkable thing to happen in one transfer window to lose that many goals. And in reality, if we're only adding Mkhitaryan and and uh, Obama Yang, then we're basically an attacking player down. So I'm happy with us giving them. I'm happy with them giving us with us giving them Danny Welbeck. Sorry, I know that's like kicking a puppy as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't think Wenger. Maybe he would. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I could see why. But I just don't see if we have those players and if those players stay fit. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> where does where does Giroud play or when does he play? beyond like flinging them on in the last 15 minutes in games when we definitely need a goal. And maybe that's yeah. enough to to keep him. Maybe that's a good enough reason to keep him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope he's there um, on the 1st of February. I'm with you. I'd be surprised if he is at this moment. Mm. Okay. I have a question here from Facebook. It comes from Chris Williams. And he says... Do you think that despite all the negativity, things behind the scenes bode well? Backroom staff that uh, that seem free of Wenger's authority in their decision-making points to a change of guard in the near future. We just need the right manager to breathe life into the squad. In short, is Gazidis not the massive wanker we thought he was? <laughs> <laughs> 
in short, let's go. In short, um, I love that. Um, yeah. Um, look, none of us really know. And we started off talking about like um, sort of projections and um, you believe kind of what you want. I, I, I like to think that this... I don't think these kind of decisions and these kind of players and these kind of moves would have gone ahead this time last year. So maybe that answers the question. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, um, um, I mean, we've got, we had Dick Law chasing Joel Campbell halfway across Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. That seems like, um, you know, a special, a special period um, that's passed. And now we're talking about some of the best talent in Germany coming to us. That does seem to be a change that's gone on behind the scenes. There does seem to be... I mean, some of Arsene's comments have been a little kind of barbed, you know, the whole, I don't know what a director of football is or we know about the player. I think there was something about Sven Mislintat a couple of weeks ago mm. about he may know a second division player in Germany that I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, little kind of little snips from, from a man who's managed over a thousand times and is watching his kind of um, authority and expertise being questioned. So... Um, and it's also been quite poignant um, or noticeable, I should say, that um, we haven't had this year's Gazidist um, statement. Um, so maybe he has just, you know, buttoned up his collar and said, all right, mate, well, I'm just going to go about, you'll see. You'll see. Yeah. And just gone about it in um, in a much more quiet and uh, deft fashion than, than, than before. No big old statements. Mm. So there are changes being made. Um, the fact that, um, again, you don't know what's rubbish and what isn't, but whether um, it's a system set up more for an Ancelotti-type manager who comes in and just manages what's put in front of him because he doesn't really care about what's going on elsewhere. We're definitely getting, you know, Arsene's fingers are definitely being prized off the, you know, um, off the club, like mm. gently, not so gently, but being bent back and he's... <laughs> He's still gripping onto the bar. Yeah, you know, you know the analogy I'm talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I think there are changes being made behind the scenes, and whether Gazidis is going to come riding out on a horse in two seasons' time and told you and say I told you so or not, I don't know. But there's yeah. still there's still there's still an element of um, you can, you never know with Arsenal because because we're never told anything yeah. unless it comes from David Ornstein. Yeah. <laughs> Save us, David Ornstein. You're our only hope. Um, No, I mean, I have to say I'm a bit more encouraged than I was earlier in the summer or last summer, you know, when we heard about this catalyst for change and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, yeah, right. But, you know, we've brought in a head of recruitment. We're bringing in a director of football, even if he's not allowed to be called a director of football. Um, That There are things going on behind the scenes, you know, Maybe we're seeing with the Obama Yang and Mikatarian deals that other people are involved in the transfer business to to an extent. Now, of course, you've got to get those deals done and signed and over the line before we can make any judgments on them and their competency and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, look, you, you can't help but be a little bit encouraged by the fact we seem to be modernizing. And, so, and that's something we've needed to do for, for quite a while. Right. So so yeah. that's good. But what you know, there's still part of me that looks at Gazidis as the guy who picks up two and a half million pounds every year with bonuses and uh, comes out and just basically does PR for, for Arsene Wenger, like he did at the end of last season when the new contract was renewed. That, you know, on the one hand, we were hearing that Gazidis was 
opposed to giving Wenger a new contract, that he wanted things to change, but then he comes out and gives us the, you know, the PR guff about how he's the best man for the job and how our ambition is to win this, that, and the other, and we're no closer to any of that. So, you know, he's happy to pick up his money and say what he needs to say to pick up his money, but, uh, you know, when Wenger goes, perhaps his influence will grow, and uh, at that point we can decide whether or not he is doing a good job or whether he is indeed a massive wanker. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll do for now. I've got one. Um, did you know that they played Raspberry Beret at, um, at halftime? In, 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 I think uh, I saw you tweet about it, yeah. Very excited by that. So with that in mind, we've got a, we've got a question here from Dave Mitchell, Dave Mitchell at Tex Elmore. Um, of the 71 double winners, Graham's 89 to 91 team and the Invincibles, mm. who are the new power generation... <laughs> who are the third eye girl and who are the revolution um, from that? I hope that's not too niche for people. Uh, it's definitely too niche for me. Obviously, okay. I know what you're talking about in terms of Prince and his backing bands, but... Um, I think we're trying to uh, rate them... Um, uh, is, it, is, is it... Yes, an impossible... Well, you, you would have to answer that because you're the, ex- you're the Prince um, expert... Okay, well, I would say that um, as I have um, very little recognition, uh, recollection of the 71 double winners, yeah, then me, they're going to get the sh- shitty end of the stick um, and then I'll just duck all the old school Arsenal fans who are telling me that I don't know anything. Um, in terms of, I'd say, uh, f- f- young revolutionary team. I'm going to go for Graham's 89 to 91 team as the revolution, who which, mm. are, Prince's, which are Prince's best band. Um, so yeah, so they get that one and by definition, then, um, we're going to put new power generation for the Invincibles, which might be unfair, but they always, always a shiny gloss to them. I kind of, I kind of prefer the rawness of, a, of a, of a, of a Merson and a, and a Rowcastle and a Thomas. So right. That's what I'll, I'll answer that one myself. <laughs> okay. And how excited were you to hear Prince at halftime? I mean, I well, feel, it, I feel like with the greatest of respect to whoever is, uh, picking the tunes that, the, you know, there's room for improvement. Oh, 100%. I mean, I never hated The Wonder of You as much as most people do. I do hate um, the fact that we play Jump Around uh, by House of Pain because that is the last refuge of the DJ scoundrel who plays Jump Around at any point because it's just one of those tunes that shouldn't get heard. And not least because it makes Keith do this really awkward kind of stepping. It's somewhere between like the running man and like the sort of um, monster mash dance that he does. Um, and he, why can he just not help himself? He just has he to. He just does it. And I think he does it because he knows how much it annoys me. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. definitely room. Yeah, maybe we could uh, perhaps uh, one of the other improvements that Ivan Gazidis could make is, you know, have a DJ for a day uh, situation at Arsenal where, you know, um, well-known DJ fans, perhaps we could get oh. you on. We could get, you know, Giles Peterson on there picking the that tunes would, at halftime. Oh, that, would, that would be that would be that would be brilliant. I mean, I mean you're, you know, you're, you're, you're partial to a late, late night Mixlr kind of session. This is true. Um, so it's probably a good thing then that we put it in the middle of the <laughs> middle of the day so to keep the <laughs> to keep the whiskey consumption down, but yeah. I think you should have a turn as well. Yeah, I'll have a go at that for sure. Yeah, that'll be great. Some really cheesy 80s stuff and loads of Bowie. That's what we Amazing. get. But there you go. Um okay, I have a question here. We'll have a couple of quick ones to finish off and can I Fine. Okay. Uh, Peter Linglund uh, says, as the defensive coach, is Steve Ball the only one to blame for our poor defensive display? If so, is he really a bigger liability than Arsene Wenger? I love this. I love this whole Steve Ball thing. Well, 
I don't think um, Paolo Maldini would be able to get this team <laughs> um, or, um, or Baresi or any of those kind of players to, would, 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 would get this team. Arsenal aren't set up and the manager isn't set up to care enough about the defensive side of things. So, um, I, you know, I think the strain that our... The strain that our fullbacks are put under, the strain that our central defenders are put. I mean, they had, you know, they, 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 they had some of their own strain, of course. But um, the way that we set up to play football, I think you'd have to be um, a, a miracle worker to, to to get that to change. Really, mm. um, I don't think it's Steve. I certainly don't think it's Steve Bold's fault. I think um, we've always had this, apart from the fact, apart from when we had sort of um, self-taught superhumans like. T.A. and and Sol Campbell and indeed Steve Bold himself. Sol mm. Campbell was the last of the last of the super centre halves we had, or am I mm. missing one? So, yeah. so has um, Colo so obviously, you know. Co- yeah, Colo of course, <laughs> alongside Sol. Um, but I don't think um, I, I just think it's just a it's a way that we play. We won't yeah. see any changes like that until we have a change of manager. Yeah, I mean the thing is, Bold is not the defensive coach. I mean he's a, was a great defender, but as we know, Arsene Wenger still takes full control of all the training sessions. He micromanages all the all the training, and I just find this obsession with the whole what does Steve Bold thing do mm. is amazing to me because like what the fuck does any assistant manager do? What do they yeah, expect we, an assistant manager to do? Or he just sits there. Well, what's he supposed to do? Other yeah. than, like, he does talk to Ars, and you see him there, like, the two of them muttering to each other and, and what have you. Um, but, you know, when, when things go wrong at football clubs and when managers struggle to get their team playing well, how often do you see people going, well, must be the assistant manager's fault because he doesn't say very much when games are on. It's well, this I mean, bizarre it's focus. Said- it's what we said again, Andrew. It's like I mean, you'll find you'll find anything at this current time mm. because we and Arsenal have always had a special relationship with the with the fans in the sense that we said nothing. The club say nothing at all, and you start digging into. Um, I mean, there's some you know, there's brilliant people um, on all aspects of the club now, whether it's. Um, the Swiss Ramble and the financial side of things, um, uh, Tim every week for yourself um, and so forth. People go and focus on stuff um, behind the scenes of the, uh, of the club. But it does feel like a bit of a reach to try and um, to lay anything um, specific at anyone else's door apart from the managers. Mm, yeah. Uh, West Stand Tone, we were just talking about DJs. <clears throat> and they go, um, West Stand Tone is asking... We're making a farewell mixtape for Alexis, and you're each invited to submit one track. What is it? Okay, right. So we're making a... Is this for Alexis to listen to on his journey to to Manchester? Why not? Yeah, he got on his private jet yesterday. What was on the in-house player that... um, He's got tunes from everyone on here. Yeah, Um, his taste in music is really bad. There's been a fair smattering of Phil Collins on his Instagram stories when he's, like, running running through the garden, slow motion with the dogs, and it's, you know, take a look at me now, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's got dodgy taste in music. But we want songs and we want music that uh, he's not going to enjoy, right? Yeah. So... You'd have to play him something that's like truly dreadful. 
this isn't music that's going to make us feel better about him going there or making a statement. Like, you know, the only thing I could think of was Loser by Beck, because that's what yeah. I want him to be up there. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to have to go with something horrendous, like uh, that Galway Girl song by Ed Sheeran. That's Ooh. truly one of the worst pieces of music ever. Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. That's I mean, cold. That's, I mean, sorry, I just want that on a loop. Like yeah. the whole Guantanamo Bay thing going on there, just play it over <laughs> and over again until he goes slowly insane. Something like that, I think. Or, you know, something that's that's really, really irritating. Something like a, a, a terrible earworm, you know? Yeah, I've had slightly longer to think of this than you, but right. um, I'm going to go for uh, the Baja men uh, who let the dogs out. Oh, God, that's um, such a shit song, isn't it? It it's really, really is. shit. It's a really shit song, and and maybe the 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 the, 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 the woofing would distract him. Who let the dogs out as well? Of course, it wasn't just a shit song. It's a it's a message. It's a message. It's as a well message him, yeah. to Alexis Sanchez. Okay. Well, look, we hope he has a disastrous time up there. I think that's uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, we're going to leave it there for this week. Tyle, thank you very much indeed for uh, for filling James's shoes today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks thanks for having me it's been great actually listening to some different guests and stuff and um, bearing in um, assuming that uh, James comes back um, you know in, in full health then we can only <laughs> we can only celebrate that um, that eighth place um, uh, for the rest of the season but yeah there were a lot of people worried there were a lot of people worried after we won 4-1 yesterday that something tragic had befallen him actually I wonder has he um have you heard from him? Um, no, I haven't, actually. I'm just going to okay. check his uh, Twitter timeline. When's the last time he tweeted? 18 hours ago. <sighs> he was talking to, actually, West Antone about Obama Yang's chrome car. Have you seen this? He's got a, a chrome motor car. Has it? Well, wow. Yeah. Wow. So he's, um, he's coming in. He's going to keep a low profile. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not too many chrome cars around the streets of uh, North London. I wouldn't have thought. Apart from um, yours, obviously, you know. Apart from mine. Um, I, I remember a story that, I don't, I don't know if it was ever true or not, but I heard that Carnu used to drive around or be driven around after games, just like sort of stopping around Finchley Park and stuff, talking to people. Because um, he was a bit lonely. Um, really? I don't know if it's true or not. Um, but... Um, yeah, I can. You can sort of be a bit more anonymous in a sort of Toyota Prius than if you're going to try and do it in um yeah in, in, in a in a in a, in a Chrome Ferrari or whatever it is. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck it is. <laughs> no, but um yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. Look forward to uh, normal service being resumed next week. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to all of you for listening. We don't actually have a game uh, next weekend because it's FA Cup weekend, and of course, we're not in the cup. But we do have um a game on Wednesday. I think I have a little quick quick question before we go. Uh, mm. uh, it's from Stuart Joseph, at Stuart Joseph, who says, do you think Wenger will play our first 11 on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup, given the convenient rest next weekend? I think he has to. Yeah. I think he has to. I think it's a game that we need to win. It's a game that we want to win. It's all that we've got. It's the only trophy that he hasn't won. So if this is going to be his swan song, then let's take that. Um, look, it's nil-nil. We've... we've you know, we've got a sign over, not so much a sign over Chelsea because we've drawn with them all the time, but mm. um, which, <laughs> which given given how we've done against big teams, is actually something to almost be celebrated. You know, it's going to be the fifth time that we played them this season, and um, yeah, we're at home. We have to 
we have to go all out for the win. Um, you know, seeing Willian back, I've always been a fan of Willian actually, um, and he does seem to cause us. He has caused us kind of historically a bit of trouble. Um, but it should be a really good game with two teams really going for it. It's a mm. cup tie with one game away from Wembley. What, what's what's not to celebrate? Yeah, I, I the only reason I ever wanted us to uh, to bring Willian into the club was so he could score with his testicles, so we could do use the headline <laughs> Willian. It was really not in. Oh, yes. Come on. Yes, you've been saving that one. That's a beaut. Yeah, you can have that one. Chapeau. All right. We will uh, hopefully uh, find ourselves in a Wembley final this week if we can do the job against Chelsea. We'll discuss that in the Arscast on Friday and whatever else uh, comes up. Obviously, there'll be some transfer business hopefully completed at that point. So we'll uh, we'll deal with that on Friday. Tayo, thanks again. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 